This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. Today's innovations are tomorrow's possibilities. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to Trillions. I'm Joel Weber. And I'm Eric Balchunas. Eric, every once in a while, you ditch me and go to sunny locales. Uh, every year, you go to Miami for a trade show, talk about ETFs. What trade show is it, and what are we going to talk about on today's episode? Yeah, so it used to be in Hollywood, Florida. Now it's in Miami. Um, been going for about 12 years. It used to be called Inside ETFs. Now it's called Exchange. But as I've said many times, to me, it's like the Comic-Con of ETFs. It's just short of people dressing up as their favorite ETF. Um, it's a big celebration of the industry. I feel like that could actually happen. I, honestly, it really could. I think um, that's something to consider yeah. for the planning committee. <laughs> I mean, or maybe just a big ball one night where you all you dress up as your favorite ETF and there's a dance and uh, I don't know, just throwing out ideas. Really, dance party. Yeah. I mean, not the worst idea. <laughs> but this industry is is just sizzling with with action and innovation and excitement and it's been that way all 12 years so once again this conference um uh, delivered i had a good time the days fly by by 9 10 p.m i am fried and then you just get up and do it all over again and then bam you're on your plane home and you're like wow that was I mean, like like a trade show yeah so take away from this year anything original there were definitely some interesting takeaways. I, I don't want to steal the thunder of the people I interviewed. So I went around and interviewed, you know, eight to 10 people about some of the takeaways and the big themes in the conference and, you know, what they had to say. And um, yeah, there was, it was different this year. Uh, you can tell a bear market had happened. Uh, it was a little more subdued in terms of the booths and stuff. And, um, but people still excited uh, doing things. Again, some, you know, the soccer ball gets kicked around the field in finance, but there's always a field. And this is uh, ETFs are vehicles to serve whatever you're looking for in that field. So the industry, again, was very happy. They had a big year last year considering the markets and looking forward to more growth this year. So that's the thing with the ETF uh, industry. There's just this feeling of you're on the right side of history. Uh, there's a wave you're surfing. It's just a nice feeling rather than an industry that's, uh, you say, shrinking. This time on Trillions, exchanges from the Exchange ETF Conference. Okay, Eric, so you, you brought a recorder with you. You stick the recorder in people's face, ask them a question, get the response. Who are we going to hear from first? First, we'll go with Brian Lake. Um, he is heads up J.P. Morgan's global ETF efforts. And Brian had a big year. J.P. Morgan crushed it. They are at $100 billion now. I think five years ago, they might have had $7 billion. They had the biggest active ETF in terms of flows. Jeppy is the ticker, and it outflowed ARK's best year. So JP Morgan has really cracked the code on how to come in a little late and be successful. And so Brian, who used to work at PowerShares before JP Morgan, so he's like an ETF guy at heart, he's the one who came on about five years ago here and said ETFs will hit $30 trillion by 2030. I believe that number was global. So we had him on ETF IQ, which shot down there, and he said US ETFs will double to $15 trillion 
in the next five years. I mean, this would take a lot. They're at $6.7 trillion now. He's saying 15 in five years. But I asked him if he still thinks 30 for 30 is going to happen, which is $30 trillion by 2030. Here's what he says. I think we're on schedule, Eric. I mean, look, you know, we're celebrating 30 years. There's never been a rolling five-year period where ETF assets haven't doubled. 2017 to 2022, they went from 3.5 to $7 trillion. We think, actually, they can go from $7 trillion to 15 in the next five years. A little bit of market, another double, 2030, 30, and 30. It's, uh, we're there. Yeah. We're on track. So that's pretty optimistic. I'd say so, especially off this year that we just had. So what the market is a big variable. If the markets are flat or go down, it makes it tougher. That means you've got to get that $7 trillion just by flows. And that would be like over a trillion a year, and ETFs have never taken in over a trillion a year. That said, there's a big lump of money over in the active mutual fund side, and I believe a lot of that will just sort of convert over, which technically doesn't count as flows in all cases. But I think that's what could get us there if the markets don't help. But if the markets start to return again, like 5%, 10% a year, the markets can really help you. And all of a sudden, those numbers are not that hard to achieve. So look, I, I, think, they, I think they will eclipse $15 trillion if I had to bet, and I did. Athanasio Serafagos on my team, he took the under, I took the over, we'll see. I think the markets, I, I think the, I'm just bullish on the US markets in general. I think they'll come back eventually, maybe after another rough year or two. And then I think you'll have a, a bunch of money that comes over from the mutual fund side in like sort of lump form. I was going to say lumpy feels like that. Yeah. You're not going to be able to figure out exactly what that what that number going to look like. It's going to change every year, but maybe at the end of it, there's a big lump sum there. Okay, number two. All right, so yes, everything's optimistic, but the vibe, as I mentioned earlier, was kind of subdued. You know, last year, ARC was the centerpiece. There was crypto everywhere, uh, ESG. There was a lot of shiny objects <laughs> all around, right? None of that this year. It was a little more, it just felt a little more accountant-ish, if you will, uh, sober. Uh, here's Matt Hogan, who actually was one of the people who started Inside ETFs way back in the day on this sort of different mood this year. Yeah, everyone got sucker punched in the gut last year with all risk assets down, and that's turned into much more subdued boosts, let's say. Fewer basketball games, fewer cars, fewer race car driving, no golf. Uh, much more serious, much more about product. That's probably for the best. And it's a good signal that maybe we're at the bottom. And once we see car driving return to this conference, that's the time to sell. Car driving? Matt Hogan with uh, booths as economic signals, <laughs> which is, he has a point. Kind of reminded me of the big short. Remember when he went in and goes, There's, this is the top. He just sensed it, you know, and he's right. The, the, the crazier the boosts get, the more you're at a late cycle bull market. And uh, this, this was not, this was a really stripped down. There's a lot of boosts. Everybody's still there, but definitely stripped down and look a little more professional, I guess, maybe. And the car driving part, have you gone to the racetrack there? I'm usually a little too busy to partake in these booths. Sometimes if you have a really good booth, like a car simulator, there's a line. And I'm not going to stand in line to do it or, you know, but I do remember doing the iShares basketball. That was fun. I would go over and shoot hoops uh, every now and then with them. Uh, but there was no line on that one. And then remember, remember a couple of years back, Quincy Jones was there. Sometimes you get that yeah. like celebrity factor as well. Um, and we interviewed him and uh, yeah, just a lot less of that this year. Um, that said, now Matt is an ETF guy who went to crypto. There's been about seven or eight of them. A couple of them will come back. Yeah. <laughs> They're coming back over. So I sort of asked Matt, are you going to come back over? How do you feel about crypto? And here's what he said. I'm more convicted about crypto now than when I moved into the industry five years ago. So the level of technological progress 
is amazing. I think we're in a new bull market. I think it's the market where crypto goes mainstream. So people aren't talking about crypto much this year. I bet it'll be a bigger conversation next year. And two years from now, we'll be back to crypto being a significant portion of this event. Mainstream? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, here's the thing. On one hand, crypto clearly has a big black eye now. I mean, how can you think you're going to invest in it? Maybe not get two black eyes. Maybe three. Yeah. Not only did it go down because it was like a high beta investment that people sold off when the market went down, but then you have a situation where you can't get your money out. I mean, these are major, major ba PR issues, but it still survives. Like it's like um, a cockroach. It just comes back. It's just you cannot kill it. And I think that's where I give respect it. And I know Matt is a, a deep thinker and I would not bet against them. So, um, you know, I, I'm not going to say that what he just said is wrong. Um, I'm a little doubtful. Um, it'll come back as strong, but again, we've we've seen this movie before, and it does come back. Yeah, I'm curious what the regulatory framework looks like in these two years that he's describing there. He would probably argue, well, that's a good thing because it will SBF proof uh, people, make them feel better about going in, and they'll appreciate it. But then again, if you regulate and and make crypto so normal, it almost becomes traditional finance, and then what's the point? I mean. I don't know. There's so much to unpack with this. It's a whole like separate episode, I think. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents. People who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. All right, number four. Okay, so one of the big panels was on like whether you should still invest in stocks. Remember that term, Tina? There is no yeah. alternative where there was nothing else to do but just buy stocks. Now, like my boss, Gina Martin-Adams, has a, a phrase, Terra. There is a rational alternative or a reasonable alternative. And that's why we see people moving into treasuries and different places and diversifying. But there was a debate over Tina and Liz Young of SoFi, I thought, had a very good comment about it. And we you know, asked her, about Tina and why it really never goes away. Um, it might just change form. So here she is. Yeah, well, I don't think Tina's ever really over, right? If you're a, a investor who's trying to build wealth, you have to be in stocks in order to build long-term growth. You, you can't abandon equities entirely. There's something that, you know, what's happening right now is this kind of structural shift in the market. We've got higher rates for longer. We've got inflation. We've got all kinds of stuff that hasn't been in play for the better part of the last two to four decades. So there's 
a rotation maybe in leadership and you could change what you own in the equity market. So one of the things that I've been talking about lately is the, this old Fama French model, right? And that's, if anybody doesn't know what that is, go Google it, put yourselves to sleep. It's this very old theory that has not worked in 20 years, but basically it suggests that small caps should beat large caps, value should beat growth. And I think it's actually coming back into play because the environment has changed. But I don't think you can ever say Tina is dead. You need stocks in a portfolio to grow wealth over the long term. Ooh, that's spicy. It is, but it isn't. Like, she's right. I mean, you, you can't not get that equity market premium. I mean, it's what, what are we really doing here? I, mean, I broke this down in the Bogle book. We are trying to make money by being owners of a company, and the company makes money because they all everybody gets up, creates value, and that creates cash flow and dividends. That's what you're investing in. And so, I don't know, to try to time that is difficult. And so, personally, I'm sticking with stocks. Now, I what she's saying, though, is maybe you take a little off large because it grew so much and you rebalance into small, something like that. I get that. Like There are areas that get left behind a little bit. And I think small in value was was one of those. So could be an era where small in value kind of outperform large, but you're still talking about stocks and the returns they give you. Did you read the Fama French paper? I know what it is. I didn't read it. Okay. Um, but yeah, Home- that's- Homework. Let's do it. It's very, it's very much a, a gospel in the factor world. Who's next? Uh, next, we got Julie Kane, who is from Democracy Investments. Uh, she does something similar to what Perth Toll does of the Freedom Fund, which is to sort of serve up international investing, but strip out the authoritarianism from the fund and sort of overweight the democracy. And this is a sort of, I guess, ESG geopolitical style. Anyway, she had sat in the um, interview with Ian Bremmer, who runs a political risk think tank. Called the Eurasia Group. Yep. yep. Uh, and Katie Greifeld, our own Katie Greifeld, Katie. interviewed him. And so Julie was pumped up because Ian was kind of speaking her language, and here's what she said about international. Yeah, I'm seeing renewed interest in international in general. Uh, Great talk yesterday by Ian Bremmer addressing what he calls a geopolitical recession. He had a lot of concerning news. His one positive news was democracy and the power of institutions to come together and fight back. So uh, that... uh, that validated our strategy, which is to use the Economist Democracy Index to over-allocate into democracies and under-allocate to authoritarians. So we feel like our strategy is more timely now than ever. So how does her strategy compare with tolls? The big difference is tolls is only emerging markets. Hers is all international. Um, but they have some overlap for sure. Um, and it's, they're trying to they're on the same frequency, if you will, and I think they have the same goals um, for sure, but they're slightly different takes. It on- is an interesting time to be thinking and talking about this because we've seen all these norms that have been bedrocks of sort of modern society for decades just start to get tested in ways that we haven't really seen before. And that is a variable that investors have not had to face. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a political nature to his talk, which I won't touch, but um, I definitely think international is a hot issue now. If you look at the flows, Emerging Markets International are taking in way more money than they normally do. People are definitely rotating into this trade. The Suzanne Woolley article I did on where to invest the uh, the money where she has five experts, everyone recommended International. Here's the thing, though. I've seen this movie before. International was supposed to work like 10 times in the past 15 years. So I don't know. I'm going to just wait and see. I, I want to really see it take hold before I can sort of respect this as a full uh, – like a, a trade that is going to last a while. I I think for now, I'm, I'm a little skeptical, to be honest. Next. 
All right, next up we have uh, Hector McNeil of Han ETF. He's a European issuer, so he went, came all the way over here. I mean, Miami, why not? Yeah, why not? He's a white label issuer, sort of like, remember our white label episode we did um, a couple weeks back where these are issuers where you can come to them with an idea and they will just sort of make your ETF for you if they like it and feel like they want to work with you. So yeah, they start by saying no is my, t- <laughs> my, my takeaway from that episode. So I asked him about um, the Royal Gold ETF, which he put out. And that was one of our 23 ETFs to watch in 23. Um, and gold has become gotten a little more attention because crypto has been so in the doghouse. So here he is talking about this interesting ETF that he put out under his white label. What is that? Yeah, so, so when, when we looked at the white label market, we, we felt that we couldn't be the Eurostox guys at two basis points cheaper than the last guys or S&P, whatever it is. So we would only do stuff that's going to add value to the, to the market, right? Yeah, because ultimately, if we're going up against the iShares and Investgoes, whatever, you need to have something else, something in the, something in the pot. And then the Royal Mint knocked on our door. And the Royal Mint, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big history buff. It, it, it's, it's fantastic. Actually, if you ever, you ever get a chance, we can take you down to the uh, VIP tour of it, you know, 50-acre site. But it's the, Britain's oldest company. It's the fourth oldest company in the world. It was set up in 889 by Alfred the Great to finance the Viking Wars, right? And you can go see the coins there. Isaac Newton was a CEO there for 27 years. Everyone thinks Isaac Newton's a scientist, but he had a day job. And he created the first modern non-counterfeitable coin. And he created with serrated edges, because in the past people used to chip bits off gold coins or whatever, you know, because people wouldn't know it. So there's a huge amount of history. It survived the Black Plague, it survived the Spanish Flu, Civil Wars, Two World Wars, whatever, right? So it's, you know, got the best credit history in, in the world of, uh, uh, financial companies. I think the only older companies are a German pub and three samurai sword companies, believe it or not. So when they came along and said, look, we, we've, got a, we've got a gold ETF, gold offering, you know, and we said, well, this is great because it's different because, you know, pretty much all the gold ETFs in the world either keep their gold at JP Morgan or HSBC in London in New York. And as you know, gold's buyers are paranoid. So having a vault that's in the middle of the Welsh countryside, most secure vault in the world, Nuclear blast proof, used to be a Ministry of Defence site until 2017, you know, and is outside the financial system. Because that's the other thing, it always amazes me how people buy gold ETFs to hedge against financial systemic risk, and then they keep the gold at the banks. You know, it's a bit bizarre, isn't it, really? I want to spend some more time with Hector. Oh, yeah. Was yeah. it Was it 809? 889. 889. Yeah, you don't, I'd never say years that are three digits, ever. But I really like this interview. This is one of the longer ones I, I uh, clip because... A, some interesting factoids in there, i got to say. Um, two, there's always stories in the smaller issuers. There's always some interesting stuff to unpack. And also, remember, he's not the Royal Mint. That's his client, kind of. But he learned everything about it because he's got to sell the ETF. And he's got to compete, as he said, against the BlackRock and Vanguard of the world. And it's tough. You have to have difference in stories. So there are so many issuers at this event, and they have so many stories to tell. And that's, I think, just a great example of the kind of stuff you can hear beyond like, oh, here's my large cap stock ETF. Also, I think he invited us on a tour. I really, I had a vision in my mind of like the Welsh countryside going on this VIP tour at the Royal Mint. I think we should do it. I mean, I think we. I mean, let's do it. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Okay, next. Next up, we have the one and only Todd Rosenbluth oh. of Vetify. So. As you know, Todd and I have a myriad of bets going on, and one of them just ended, and one of them was Capital Group. I had the under that they wouldn't get the $7 billion in the first year, and they did. They, mm. they, they, they did it with two weeks to spare. This breaks a streak. It does. I was Well, I lost two this year to him, so I'm three and two. Yeah. He's crawling bear back. Mark, bear yeah. market. Yeah, I know. I should just stick to bull market <laughs> bets, yeah. 
Uh, anyway, here he is taking a victory lap. Right, so Capital Group has not even hit its one-year anniversary, and it has passed $7 billion. I want to repeat, $7 billion. I was on a Trillions podcast a little over a year ago and joined a bet with you, Eric, where it sounded so lofty. But Capital Group came through, and now, as a result of it, many clients are happy. Capital Group is certainly happy, and you're going to be buying me a stake as a result of it. So now I'm on a winning streak in the ETF pundit bet. So I couldn't be happier for Capital Group. Oh, he's well, jacked up. Yeah, he, he is. He's, he, he should be. It was a year-long bet. And get this, they were at 692 or something like that. So they were like just about to get it. And that was the day Powell was supposed to speak. And there was a question of whether he was going to just be really hawkish to try to tell the market, we're, no, we're nowhere near close to done. But he got a little dovish. So the markets rallied and it hit seven just on the ad, the market appreciation. I was thinking this scenario if Paul Powell was going to get real hawkish and the market appreciation would turn to depreciation and it would depreciate so much that the flows wouldn't offset it. And I would have won the bet after he got a centimeter away from seven. It was going to be such a classic moment, but wasn't meant to be. And so Todd, if you're listening, congrats. And oh, he's uh, listening. Yeah, He's going to definitely let you know about that <laughs> steak dinner. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents, people who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Up next on the list, you have Beth Williamson of Calamus. What did she have to say? Calamus just put out an ETF that is an ESG fund that, you you know, the basketball player Giannis, I can't really pronounce his last name, but yeah, he's Bucks. called the Greek freak, the guy on the Bucks. It's an ESG fund with his last name in it. And at first I was like, is this somebody else? And I looked up, no, he's actually partnered with Calamos to put this fund out that does ESG investing and then uses some of the proceeds to also invest back. Um, he apparently is looking to make a big difference. And he's uh, friends with the guy from Calamos. And so I asked Beth about the situation. John Kadunas and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo are through mutual friends, love of basketball, as you mentioned, met a couple years ago. And they worked together to conceptualize idea on how to bring impact 
to the finance space. And over year plus of conversation, they decided on a suite of investment products, including the Calamos Antetokounmpo Sustainable Equity ETF that launched yesterday, um, to bring financial literacy, education, and an investment vehicle that's going to be available to the masses. Again, it's just a it's a someone who's not in the financial world looking to make a difference and give back. I, I don't know if you see the movie Rise about him on Disney. It's a really good movie. I cried half the time. Um, just seems like a genuine guy and a genuine genuine intentions here. That said, ESG's in in not doing well right now. This thing's a little on the higher cost side, but you know his name and potentially Calamos has a lot of other things going on. They can sort of afford to keep this in the market for a while. But it could take a while because of the environment right now. It's going to be a tough sell. But uh, his, he certainly helps and gives it attention that other ESG funds don't have. Um, so interesting. And your final interview. Final interview was, again, we're sticking with basketball here. Roy Williams, oh. who was coach of Kansas and North Carolina. I believe he won titles with each. He's got a bunch of records. I mean, he is like legit Hall of Fame kind of college basketball coach. And he was the assistant to um, Dean Smith at yeah. North Carolina and Coach Jordan. Yeah. So I was like, I Invesco had him on a panel and they had a little party afterwards. So I went to the room and got to interview Roy Williams. Now, I don't want to take up too much of his time. And I, I wasn't going to ask him an ETF question. So I asked him how to break a press because on I coach my 12-year-old's basketball team and there's our kids are on the younger side and the smaller side. And a lot of these teams press the whole game, which is, that's just a weird way to play. I think you press when you're down or you need it. But anyway, I was just curious what he said about breaking a press and if he had any tips on it. And then I had to ask him about Jordan. So here you go. Make sure you work on your dribbling and passing and catching. <laughs> that would be the biggest thing. Try to get some baskets before they get the press set up. That would be it. Okay. And um, greatest, you are assistant coach during the Jordan years, right? Mm-hmm. Did, what was it? Were you stunned at how much he, how much he did, or could you see it back then? Well, we could see he was going to be a great player, but I don't think anyone understood what he was going to actually do. He was off the charts and still a great friend. That's awesome. Thank you. Okay, oh, that's cute. I feel I feel bad for your son's team. <laughs> we're zero and six. Yeah, you know, because I drafted a lot of his friends who were eleven, and there's thirteen year olds in this league. That said, he gets a lot of playing time, and his friends are on his team, so they have a good time. Um, we have one more uh, sports addition to the podcast because Eric lives in Philadelphia. Philadelphia Eagles are about like water to him. Maybe you haven't been watching anything, but Eagles made it to the Super Bowl. Did not go well in the final seconds, but Eric lost another bet. I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> I did. I'm on. I'm on a bad run. I, I had. I was on. I was unstoppable for a while there, Joel. Yeah. This is just this, like the bull market. And yeah. then this is how the they get you. Like yeah. in the casinos, you win a couple times and yeah. all of a sudden like yeah. you're you're broke. No, um I had to do it because Nature Ace he's a big Chiefs fan, he lives in Kansas City, and I'm I'm really friend, friendly with him and uh, I think he's a nice guy and I thought it'd be fun to have a bet. So we announced it on his podcast, ETF Prime, and the bet was that uh, whoever won, the other guy would send them a jersey from the NFL shop. So I get to send him a Patrick Mahomes jersey. Which is like 150 bucks. <laughs> My wife's not loving that. But Nate, congratulations! The Chiefs were the better team. They won the game. Patrick Mahomes is, you know, Hall of Famer. You're lucky. But we'll be back. Back. 
Thanks for listening to Trillions. Until next time, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter. I'm at Joel Weppershow. He's at Eric Balchinas. This episode of Trillions was produced by Magnus Hendrickson. Bye. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.